0: Welcome to AZ Politicast, I'm Steve Goldstein. The Winnipeg Jets of the NHL became the Phoenix Coyotes in 1996, then were renamed the Arizona Coyotes in 2014. And following the recent no vote in Tempe, that rejected an entertainment district featuring a hockey arena. There's increasing speculation the Coyotes may change their name again, maybe to something with Houston or Atlanta at the beginning of their name, instead of Arizona. So where does the organization sit after losing the vote? The Coyotes have committed to playing home games in ASU's Mullet Arena for one more season, but then what? Craig Morgan of PHNX Sports has covered the Coyotes for more than 20 years, and he's my guest on this edition of AZ Politicast, which starts now, right after we put the biscuit in the basket and light the lamp. The Coyotes have called multiple arenas home since coming to the Valley in 1996, and they've also had several owners, filed for bankruptcy, and been managed by the NHL. This time around, though, there was a bit of optimism. Owner Alex Morello is a billionaire who, though not from Arizona, seemed committed to keeping the team in an attractive, growing market. So a billionaire, plus endorsements by liked and respected former Tempe leaders, seemed like a combination that would be a winner for the Coyotes. As usual, since the Winnipeg Jets became the Coyotes, the organization still seems to be skating on thin ice. I talked with PHNX Sports Coyotes beat writer Craig Morgan, who has extensive knowledge of the organization's past and present. Craig doesn't love to be a prognosticator, as you'll hear, and he'd like to discuss what's happening with the team on the ice. But he was up for talking about the losing vote in Tempe that was an unexpected outcome for team management.
1: I think there was shock. I was there at that event that night. What was supposed to be a celebration they, they were very confident, Steve, that this was going to pass. I had heard estimates that their polling showed them with a 10-point lead. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the surprise. Like Before the results went up on a big board at the uh, Four Peaks Tasting Room in Tempe, um, it felt like a cocktail party. It honestly did. And the results went up and hush just went over the entire room and, sorry to use the cliche, it, it honestly felt like a funeral at that point.
0: So conventional wisdom – having covered politics as long as I have, is typically, unless the issue or the candidate is so incredibly unlikable, money tends to lead to victory in some way, because it means you ripple your message out in a bigger, broader way. Uh, were there expectations because of that? And some really well-known political figures. If you look at that, that murderer's row of, of former Tempe mayors, one yes. would have thought this would have worked out. So if there were to be a postmortem on this, what do you think they would say about the campaign as far as why it didn't work?
1: Well, I'm sure that they will cite misinformation and they are not entirely wrong. There was misinformation coming from the opposition, but that's politics, Steve. It, it gets yeah. a little dirty. Sometimes the game is just about winning and they, as as Don Penish-Thacker said in her editorial in, in the Republic, um, we put them on the defensive and, and that is indeed what happened. Now, there were some criticisms of the Coyotes handling of this as well. Um, one was very public. Uh, Randy Keating, a council member for Tempe, came on our show and expressed dismay at the fact that their campaign hadn't launched. And it, you know the, the vote went through in November and the opposition got going immediately. The counties really didn't get going until February. And I know that worried a lot of people. I'm sure that was a factor. And then when you start diving in, I know all these financials have not come out yet, but when you start diving into how much was spent on this campaign, you're gonna find out that they were outspent and probably did not hire the right people. So all of that together, led to that sort of disaster that we saw that night.
0: Is there a dark cloud over the organization in the <laughs> sense that whenever they try to go to a new community, there are enough people there to say, wait a second, point, look at their history, look at their history. New ownership doesn't matter. Look at their history.
1: Yeah. And it's it's easy, right? There's plenty of baggage that comes along with Alex Morello at this point. It's, it's crazy to think because he hasn't been here that long, but there you know, you have the athletic story, of course. You have the unpaid bills, the unpaid uh, signing bonuses for players while they were in the playoff bubble. You have this. You you, you can cite a lot of things, right? So it's easy to, to paint him as the villain. And obviously, human beings are more complex than that. And we, we don't know Alex Morello that well. He hasn't shown himself personally to the community very much. But I do think that his past made him an easy target. And that was certainly one of the talking points for them.
0: So Mullet Arena presumably that's a lock for 23-24 season. And then beyond that, we don't really know yet.
1: The NHL has officially confirmed that they'll be playing at Mullet Arena. Now the question is whether this becomes a lame duck season where we know they're moving just like their last season in Winnipeg before they came here. It's, It's an, it would be an eerie feeling and an eerie story to cover season long. If you knew it was the end, but Gary Bettman has not set any sort of timeline for this team to find a new option. They are not for sale. And I have confirmed that both with, Javier Gutierrez and with the league. So they're going to give them another crack at this. You've heard the rumors about sites in Mesa or going back to tribal lands or trying to work out something downtown. We're going to have to wait to see how it all plays out. But I can tell you one thing, Steve, they don't want another public vote after the way this thing went. They have to find a way around that.
0: So because you have your own show, I'm sure you're used to throwing out clickbait questions like this. So Craig Morgan, (laughs) um, are the Arizona Coyotes the Arizona Coyotes three years from now?
1: Yeah, you're right. That's a clickbait question, Steve. That's a good one. Um, and I I I just go back to my answer. I just I don't I don't like making predictions. I am not a soothsayer, I have no idea. And there have been so many dramatic turns just around the bend with this franchise. Why on earth would I put odds on it at this point? I have no idea what's going to happen. What I can say is it if they are going to come up with a plan B, it has to happen very soon. I have to believe that if it is not in place at least they, if they need to have the framework of it in place by the draft in late June, but by the time they go into next season, they need to have it firmed up because the NHL board of governors has tired of supporting Wait this franchise. Minute. They need to make a decision here very soon. I, I, I think it has implications on the ice and players wondering whether they want to commit long-term to this franchise when it's so in- unstable right now. But then, like I said, there's a lot of pressure from the board of governors from the NHLPA to get something settled. So if they don't have it done, by the start of the season, I think the wheels start turning on another option.
0: Unless the off-ice stuff just detours this or derails this. Is this an organization on the ice is, is headed in the right direction?
1: I think so. Bill Armstrong has done something, in, in the, the finances of the team may have helped him, actually. Uh, they just didn't have the revenue to invest in free agents or trying to beef up the roster. So it may have aided his plan, but his plan all along was to take his time and build this thing through the draft, build sustainable success by getting a volume, right? The NHL draft is incredibly difficult because you're drafting 17 and 18 year old kids. The draft age is younger than the other sports. So it's so much more speculative, but he's been at this for two decades and they have been doing it the right way. When he came in, they hired a complete scouting staff and then a development staff and he has a lot of pieces in place in the prospect pipeline, but I know he wants to stick with it for a couple more years. So on, on that front, I don't think they could stop him. He, they can't stop him from drafting players as long as he's the general manager. But if you don't start showing progress sometime soon, the players that you have might get discontent like Jacob Chikrin did last season and ask out, and, and then you've just extended the timeline even more.
0: All right, so let's go in a totally different direction because I was really curious. I thought of you immediately after watching the movie blackberry do you, do, you, do you know about this movie craig have you seen it i do
1: i haven't seen it yet but i plan yeah. to see it
0: it's it's incredible no it? well no the coyotes aren't mentioned but there's so the whole buildup of balsillie and these guys are research in motion developing the blackberry and then there's this scene where the actor playing balsillie goes to this meeting of the board of governors of the nhl and basically swears at gary bettman uh, i'm going to own the nhl you guys are terrible and it all became the controversy because he wanted to move the Penguins to Hamilton. And then I had forgotten this. I remembered him being associated with the Coyotes. But mm-hmm. how close was he to actually buying the Coyotes and maybe moving them to Hamilton?
1: Oh, I don't think the NHL was ever going to allow that. The Board of Governors stepped in at that point. You're not going to let someone dictate terms to a league. that That's just not going to happen. I know, you know. Jerry Moyes tried to put it in bankruptcy, did put it into bankruptcy, and they possibly wanted to buy it out and move it to Hamilton, but the league was going to block that from day one. Uh, He didn't have a good reputation even before that with the league, so there was no chance that they were going to allow him to bully his way into ownership in the league.
0: Of the ownership the Coyotes have had since you've been covering them, best, worst?
1: Wow, Steve. I I don't know how I would evaluate that fairly. Um, I mentioned the missteps earlier. Um, so you have to take those into consideration. But one of, one of the things I also mentioned to you is that Alice Morello is not very public. We, we just don't know who he is. So it's really tough to get a sense of this ownership group. Certainly you can watch their actions and we've talked about some of their actions. You can judge them on that, but people are always more complex, right? So I I, I wish I had had the opportunity to at least get to know this owner like i would had uh, previous owners.
0: All right. Last thing for you then. So you've covered this organization. You've covered it extremely well for so long with all the ups and downs and whatnot. How much fun is it to cover them? Does that vary from season to season depending on how much off ice yeah. stuff there is?
1: Yeah, it, it gets tiresome after a certain amount of time, especially when you when you reach seminal moments in their timeline where you think, okay, this could finally change things to a point where they actually have some stability. And I can cite a bunch of those, but again, we thought this was that moment. We really thought it was going to stabilize and they would be on plan. Everybody was so confident. So to have it blow up like this, is just, it's just crazy, Steve. The job becomes infuriating when you're really trying to unplug and get some time away. And they always seem to make their biggest news in the summer. And it's not always great news. So yeah, at, at the same time, we get away. We, we do. We As a family, we go away every summer. And I make a point of that. My wife understands what it's like to be married to a beat writer. And she's incredibly patient. <laughs> so... <laughs> We make do, but it would be nice. Yes, it would be nice to get to a point. I think I'm there. I've, I've covered this story enough to where I just want to focus on hockey and see what it's like to cover a successful franchise because we just haven't had enough of a taste of that here. Yeah, Craig Morgan, PHNX Sports. Thanks, man. Steve, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks to Craig Morgan of PHNX Sports. And thank you for listening to this episode of AZ Politicast. To catch up with my previous programs, featuring the likes of Andre Churney, Robert Draper, John Gabriel, and Mayor John Giles, please subscribe to AZ Politicast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also rate and review, and please tell everyone you know about AZ Politicast. To suggest topics and guests, please email me at azpoliticast at gmail.com. That's azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast is from Epidemic Sound. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks again for joining me for AZ Politicast.